0: Well, good to see everybody this morning. want to thank everyone watching online, live streaming right now. So we appreciate you being out there watching us. And as you see in the Prophecy Update, um, a lot of the players are aligning themselves, especially in that Gog of Magog invasion. And if you look at uh, Turkey flexing its muscles, Turkey is a major player in that invasion eventually of Israel along with Russia in Iran, and, and it just continues to every week. You watch these guys, and they play the part. They are definitely lining up, and uh, things are coalescing and converging all at the same time. So you have the Middle East it, that's turning into a powder keg, and then you have stuff that's going here and in the world, and boy, howdy, all things seem to be converging in on something. So if your gut instinct tells you something's up, Thumbs up, big time. And what we're seeing is the stage getting set for, obviously, the tribulation, which we will be raptured prior to that, but we're definitely seeing the shadow of the tribulation casting into our lives today. And that brings us to what we're going to be studying today in Exodus chapter 10. We're going to be looking at Pharaoh from his standpoint and understanding that Pharaoh is driven by a narrative rather than the truth and that's why he's doing what he's doing to Israel and how Moses is contending with him and even his own servants and advisors to Pharaoh are trying to tell him hey dude we need to surrender to this we're dead and he won't he just keeps going with the narrative and I want to bring that to light today about what's happening in our world there are narratives that people are doing in our world that's not based in reality, it's not based in facts or based in evidence, it's what their mind has conceived of and they want it so desperately to be true that they'll do anything to accomplish it. They'll just steamroll you if you try to get in the way. And that's why we're seeing our world get so hostile when you tell them the truth and you give them facts and evidence and they get upset at you. And you're like, hey, I'm just telling you what the truth is. I'm just telling what the facts are. And yet you're not believing me. Because why? They have a narrative in the way they think life should be. And that's what Pharaoh's doing. Think about this on the global scale the narrative about this corona pandemic, okay? They want it to be so true so they can do certain things to shut down our economy, to shut down the churches. Isn't it funny that the churches are targeted for this? The economy is targeted. Your schools are targeted. Can't go to school now. It's a disaster what's happening, by the way. The online stuff, it's a disaster. For a narrative to say that there's a pandemic, well, here's the funny thing. Here's the facts and evidence. The CDC, their own group, one of their own boys, puts out numbers last week. And no one wants to talk about it. Just a few conservative outlets, news outlets. I saw Judge Jeanine Pirro last night on Fox report this. I saw the Gateway Pundit report this and several other conservative news sites. But no one wants to touch this one. And do you know what the CDC released? this will blow your socks off. Keep your shoes on tight because it's ready to rock your world. Here's the stats. In the United States, there's been 153, 504 deaths that they have labeled COVID-19. The CDC now comes out with new numbers saying that only 6% of those deaths, only six, were solely based on corona. The other 94 deaths were because the person had preconditions and they died of those preconditions. Whether that was a heart attack, whether that was cancer, hypertension, cardiac arrest, whatever, pneumonia. As you heard Dr. Brick say that she's going to classify everything, that it, even if someone dies of cancer they're gonna, and has corona, they're going to label it corona. Well, the CDC just undermined them, and I don't know why, but said, no, only about 9,210 people in the United States have died from COVID-19 or the Wuhan China virus. And they all were in the demographic who are the most susceptible, like the elderly. Time out. We shut down our society. We shut down our economy. We shut down the churches. We shut down the schools for 9,000, roughly speaking, deaths in the United States. Now, do you know what the stats are for the common influenza that comes through every year? The common influenza, they allow, they don't take any measures about this, 22,000 people die of the common influenza every year in the United States. How come we don't shut down society because of 22,000 people? No, they allow it to happen because they realize there's nothing you can do, a lot of preconditions and stuff, and there's not, you can't shut down society for that. But we shut down society for 9,000 people, roughly. Now, every death is tragic, no doubt about that. I'm not minimizing the death. I'm just saying it's not a pandemic. It's as little or way below the common flu and the common influenza viruses. But do you think that flies with the current narrative that's happening right now? No. doesn't fly. Because the narrative is, we're going to stay on lockdown, This might go into January. Oh, past the elections, right? we got to get rid of our change. Did you know there was a change shortage? I didn't know there was a change shortage all of a sudden. They want you to use your cards because they're moving us to a digital currency. Did you know they're going to have vaccines? They're trying to have vaccines by November 1st. Untested. Have not went through the proper channels. Oh, right before the elections, right? Maybe they'll say you can't vote until you're vaccinated. Maybe. I don't know. But do you see the narrative being perpetrated, the narrative even about Christianity today in America, that Christianity is racist. And if you're a Christian and you're a fundamentalist because you believe the Bible, then you're racist. Oh, then you're homophobic, you're Islamophobic, you're all these other phobics because you're a Christian. See, these narratives are being perpetrated and people believe them. How about the big one right now is Black Lives Matter? We have told you that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization and Marxist revolutionary movement. It has nothing to do with black people. Nothing. That's what they want you to think it's about. It's not. It's a Marxist revolution. And you know the new data came out this week and no one wants to report on it. The people that run Black Lives Matter organization are dealing in black magic. They are now... Admitting and they're coming out of how much they're involved in the occult. And what they say is that when these people die in the streets, that they go pour libations where they died, and they give flowers or whatever. But it's not just to remember their name. It's a worshiping of the ancestor. They're involved in ancestor worship from West Africa. Paganism, raw, hardcore paganism. And so they pour libations out For the person, because they're in communication with the person who's channeling them and telling them, You gotta keep up the fight, you gotta keep up the fight for social justice and all this other stuff. And so then you find out they're into necromancy and you find out they're into contacting so called dead people from slave years and current years who have suffered injustice. They're not talking to dead people, they're talking to demons impersonating the dead people called the familiar spirit. They're talking to fallen angels, not dead people. And the, what are the fallen angels telling them to do? Keep on doing it. Keep on going for it, of course. Do you think that gets reported on any news program that the head of Black Lives Matter, both women, are involved in African paganism, African witchcraft, African Satanism? Are you going to hear that? No, 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 no. Because it's, it's really about race, isn't it? See, it's an agenda-driven narrative. And they won't get off the narrative. And we're seeing all these narratives going along. And you notice how when you try to talk to somebody and give them the facts, they get upset with you? They don't say, wow, those are, the, those are good stats. I, I think I need to change my mind. Uh, I don't, I've been thinking wrong. No, no. They want to kill you. They want to they physically harm you. Look at the cowards on social media who sit in their pajamas in their mom's basement and they're so brave to speak on social media about how we should be living our lives and that we're nothing but racist. I want to tell you what, if it wasn't for social media, these people would not have any platform. Social media has given the bottom of the barrel platforms and every weirdo out there uses social media to give their opinions. It's caused nothing but chaos in our society. It's caused nothing but the dregs of demonic behavior to be drudged up in social media. And so you have people being doxxed. You have people being threatened for some narrative. Some narrative. Threatening personal lives. Wow. Wow. You might even see this in your own family. Have you noticed that people in your family that you're having trouble with seem to be on a narrative that no one else is on? They see the world one way, and it's only their way that's right. It's not the biblical way, it's their way. And they've created a fantasy world, and in that narrative, they're always right. They can do no wrong. You're the one that's always messed up. So if you come to them and try to talk to them and say, hey, what you're doing is not helping the family and this and that, oh, you're crazy. They'll crazy make you and say, you're the one that's crazy. No, remember what you did here and what you did here and you got you did this and that and you're pointing at all the evidence. It never happened. It never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. You're misperceiving reality and they do the mind job on you. But folks, it, it, people even create it in their own lives, and we can create it in our own lives. The minute we get off the biblical narrative about reality and we start creating our own narrative, you're out of reality at that point. Now, what I want to show you with Pharaoh is he's really out of reality. And we'll explain how he got there and how, he, how his narrative, because it's not a biblical narrative is going to destroy Egypt and him. And that's what happens when people who create narratives, it destroys them eventually. Let's start in verse 1 of chapter 10. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants. And we talked about the hardening of heart. Hardening of heart means that God just strengthened Pharaoh to, to do what he wanted to do. It doesn't mean he changed his will or prevented him from doing good it just means that he strengthened him to carry out what he wants to carry out. He allowed him to do it and gave him that strength to keep moving and not buckle under the pressure and give up because he wants to do the all ten plagues and the Red Sea, according to God. That I may show these signs of mine before him, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done. The Hebrew means alal, which means to humiliate, that he humiliated the Egyptians and Pharaoh and even the fallen angels as well in Egypt. So the first thing he says uh, to Moses is that we're going we're gonna to carry this through all ten plagues and in the Red Sea because not only has he stated it's, it's going to be for evangelism purposes, but also I want this for a discipleship issue for the children of Israel. I want them to always remember, 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 what I did to get them out of there. And as you recall, what will be instituted is the Passover Supper, which remembers the ten plagues and the Exodus and the Red Sea Party. Always to remember. Now, this is an interesting principle. What God has done by giving us his word is tell you and I, remember what he has done. So that when we move forward... We move in faith based on what he did into our lives. The thing that's happening right now in Christendom and in pagan spirituality is to always move forward and forget the past. That's satanic. God wants us to remember what he did. It's his record of history, what he did, the mighty works that he did. For without it, you won't have anything to base your faith on in him. And so he gives that to move forward. But right now... Because people are not being trained in the Bible, in Christendom, they don't know all that God has done. They're just ignorant of it. Therefore, they have very little faith moving forward into the future. They will crumble when Satan starts turning on the heat. And then as far as our society is concerned, they keep saying, we're we're moving into a new paradigm spiritually. And it's time to get rid of Christianity and move into this new paradigm of new spirituality where we spiritually evolve into understanding that we all have a divine spark in us. And we're all little gods running around. That's what they're going to. And paganism always moves forward. It doesn't look back. And then we're starting to see that happen even today. Think about this as far as our country is concerned. What do they try to do to our country? They're trying to erase what? The past. What America was founded on. How we became a nation. And, and, then, and then the things they can't deny, they just twist and say, oh no, they're just a bunch of racist slave owners and all this other junk. You see the tactic by Satan? He wants people to forget what happened. I find it amazing that the news can report things about candidates that they said something six months ago and then they say the total opposite... Like today. And no one's... Hey, man, I remember that guy saying that. No one remembers that. And, and then, then they play a, a clip of it. And they say, well, he said it here. And it's like, oh, okay. Next. They don't even report that. People are losing their memories. And that's a spiritual phenomenon. And it's going to cost the United States. If people have, have never known our history, our foundation... It's going to be the doom of us if we forget our history and biblical history. I'll throw in there as well. Anyway, we move on. And my signs which I have done among them that they may know that I am Yahweh. I'm the covenant God. It uses the term Yahweh, which always refers to the Abrahamic covenant, that Israel is in covenant with Yahweh and still is to this day, by the way. Israel is still in covenant with Yahweh in the Abrahamic covenant which includes the Davidic and the land covenant, and eventually, when they get saved, the new covenant. You and I are in relationship to God through the new covenant. So God has his relationships with us and Israel through covenants. The new covenant is made in Messiah's blood. It's a unilateral covenant that anyone who believes enters into that covenant and partakes of the benefits of that covenant. That's what you and I are. So when he says this, that that you know that I am the Lord, know that I am the promise-keeping God who will fulfill his covenants. And as bad as things might get, in the covenant that you and I are in, the new covenant, the church is spared from the tribulation. We are under no condemnation. Therefore, I know it might get a little rough, But you and I will be spared of the worst time in history when the Lord raptures raptures us out of here. And that's part of the new covenant promise. We will not partake of that time. Anyway, we continue on. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? At the outset, this tells you why Pharaoh won't give up his narrative. Because of his pride. Let me explain this, because this will explain how people today get narratives. When people refuse to accept the biblical reality of what the Bible says about them, about others, about reality, about God, when they refuse any aspect of that, they then have to create their own narrative to make sense of the world. And by doing so, they take themselves out from the authority of God's right to rule and right to tell people how it is, And they remove themselves into them becoming a God unto themselves who makes up their own rules and creates their own reality. That's what Pharaoh has done. And so what Moses is saying, how long are you going to stay out of reality, Pharaoh? You're over here. You've created your own paradigm. When will you come under the biblical paradigm and recognize that Yahweh, he has the right to tell you what to do? You see what's happening in our culture? People are being taught that even God doesn't have the right to tell you how to behave. They tell them that they create a God of their own liking that allows them to do anything they want to do. And so they make up a false Jesus, they make up a false God, and that's the God they serve, the God that allows them to do anything they want to do. What in effect is happening is the pride has done that, and and they will not bow a knee To the one true God, because they have to obey Him if they do, and they don't want to do that. So that's what Moses is trying to point out about Pharaoh. Anyway, he goes, Let my people go that they may serve me. Basically, Israel to carry out their commissioning as a high priestly nation to be a witness to all the nations about Yahweh. Now the church has the great commission. We're doing that. Israel's in a timeout on the sidelines. But once the church is gone, Israel will be reenacted, and they will continue to take out that Great Commission. Uh, So that's what Pharaoh is preventing. Pharaoh is preventing Israel from carrying out the Great Commission. So think about this. Parallel. Who in our state is preventing the churches from carrying out the Great Commission? Pharaoh Newsom. Yes. Pharaoh Newsom. And Pharaoh Garcetti in L.A the mayor of L.A., who keeps attacking John MacArthur. And Johnny Mac has enough guts to keep standing in the way. And he's saying, you're not going to shut us down. God bless Johnny Mac. Because at the end of the day, what's happening down there is coming to us. And think about this. Four times the judges has turned around Garcetti and said, you're out of line. So you know what Garcetti does in the city council of L.A.? who is about as leftist as you can possibly imagine. They now are going to revoke MacArthur's parking there at his church. They have a certain amount of parking that they lease from the city or something. They have some deal. So they're going to just say, you can't park there. I'm waiting now for either Garcetti or Newsom to turn off their water and their utilities. I think that's coming. But folks, we got to have enough guts No matter what Pharaoh Newsom or Garcetti or any Pharaoh that tries to put any stipulations that try to prevent us from meeting, worshiping, hearing the word, understand they're another Pharaoh. That's all they're doing. Why do they they attack the churches? Oh, because they hate Christianity. That's why. Just like Pharaoh, he hates the God of Israel. Anyway, he goes, or else... If you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. Now, we've seen these, these plagues play out. And now, what I want you to understand, we're in the last set of three. The death of the firstborn is separate to itself. It's a plague all separate, and we'll deal with that. But plagues 1 through 3, 4 through 6, and then 7 through 9 are a series of an intensity of plagues. The first set of plagues make life uncomfortable. The second set of plagues hit the economy. And the third set of plagues that we're in right now desolate Egypt. They desolate, they destroy, they ruin Egypt. And so that's what we're seeing with the hail we studied last week and now we're with the locusts and then eventually the darkness. But let's talk about the locusts. This old boy right here is a grasshopper. You get several million of them, you have a locust swarm. Now, in this area of the world, in Egypt, if you think about the geographical location of Egypt along the Nile, then to the east of it, you have the Sinai Peninsula, and then you have the Saudi Arabian Peninsula that comes out. And then you have the Red Sea on the other side between Saudi Arabia and Mount Sinai Peninsula. Every year, every year to up until this day, the locusts, will lay their eggs in the sand by the Red Sea. The eggs stay there in that warm sand and incubate there from September. And guess what month they're born in? March. Guess where we're at in the Exodus? March, April-ish. So it's happening at the right time when God's going to send this plague. So they're always having swarms of locusts in that area. They go into Africa and different places like that. But he's going to have a strong wind come and blow this new batch of locusts and have them plant themselves all over the region of Egypt, except where the Jews are. The Jews will be separated out and protected as all of this is happening to Egypt. Okay, verse 5. And they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. Let me show you some pictures of how intense even the current plagues are. If you look today, that's a current plague. That's what it looks like. That's today. So I just magnify this by a thousand times. Let me show you another picture. Look at the ground. That guy's standing up there. You can see the ground. They're all over the ground. And this is a common occurrence in these places. Okay, So it's not out of the norm, but just imagine every piece of ground being covered by a grasshopper. They're everywhere in Egypt. And what do they do? They Devastate; They destroy everything in their path. Anyway, let's continue on. it says this. And they shall eat the residue of what is left. What was left from what? Which remains to you from the hail. So anything that the hail didn't kill, as far as agriculture, they will. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. Well, look at this tree. This is a current plague, and it's loaded by locusts. When they're done, there won't be anything left. They just eat right through it, man, like a buzzsaw. They eat all the crops, they just lay everything to waste. It's when they're done with an area, it's like watching a nuclear bomb go off when locusts are done. It's just amazing. They're like miniature beavers. They just crunch everything up. Anyway, verse 6 They shall fill your houses, the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, so it's everywhere, inside your house, outside, everywhere which neither your father nor your father's father have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. Now, we've talked about this, but every time you see that kind of phraseology, what God is trying to say, or even through Moses is what Moses is trying to say, is it's unprecedented, unprecedented. So when you see unprecedented in the scripture, it'll say, there's never been a day like this, nor shall there ever be. It means it's unprecedented. It's the unprecedented principle And as prophetic students, so you see this, this is a microcosm of what's going to happen. You have to understand that we have been watching unprecedented things happen in our modern day. It's unprecedented. You can't even imagine they're even thinking about a forced vaccination. Can you see us going to a digital currency? That would be unprecedented. And we're there. We're ready to go to that. It's just unprecedented. So the locust there, it's the principle of unprecedented. Never happened in history, never will. So we go back to the scriptures and it says, and he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And the idea is that Moses is kind of ticked off. He's reaching his end point with Pharaoh. Moses has trouble with his anger. And I'll tell you why he has trouble with his anger. Moses is a man of justice. And when he sees injustice, he gets very upset about that. It's like when you watch TV and you see these knuckleheads on TV, you just want to throw your shoe through the TV because you get so frustrated with them because they're just knuckleheads. That's how Moses feels. And so he's, he's tired of the games Pharaoh's playing, so he, he just turns his back and walks out and stomps out. It's the idea. He's, he's very upset. Now, here's the deal, and I want to give you a warning about this. The things that are happening to us, no one in here has to like them. I do not like what's happening to our culture. I do not like what's happening to our economy. I do not like what's happening personally to people. I do not like them trying to shut down the churches. I'm frustrated about it. I'm angry about it. You shouldn't be too. But be angry and not sin. Because understand what they're trying to do to you and I. They're egging you on. They want you to get into the fight. They want a civil war. And I talked to several prophecy guys this week. All say the same thing. I said, what do you think is going to happen in the election? They say, man, if a civil war doesn't happen, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. No matter who wins or whatever, it's going to be nuts. And these Antifa groups and these uh, Black Lives Matter groups and these sit-in Wall Street guys, they're all going to go crazy, man. And if it doesn't go in their favor, they're going to ag on people to confront them. Be very careful. Understand that's the game plan. And I understand that outside in our community or or, or outside in the world, you have the Bubba factor. And I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about people who have had enough, not going to take this anymore, and they're going to be goaded in and tempted in to do something and retaliate. When that happens, the Bubba factor will come and infect, and they will get, the leftists, the globalists, will get exactly what they want. They want to destroy America by a civil war, by dividing Americans from each other. That's what they're doing. So I'm upset, you're upset with what's going on, but play it cool. You've got to play it cool, man. Don't get goaded into a fight. Even on a personal level, these lunatics will sit there and shout in your face. But what do they want? They want you to physically react. What are you told to do when they assault you verbally by the Messiah? What did our master say? If they verbally assault you, not physically assault you, but verbally, what are you supposed to do? Offer up your cheek. Offer up the right side. Now, I'm talking about a verbal attack. I'm not talking about a physical attack. You have the right to defend yourself physically if someone comes after you. No doubt about that. But if you're getting verbally assaulted by these knuckleheads, don't react. That's what they want you to do. Turn the other cheek and move on. Otherwise, you'll play right into their hands. You get on that social media and the nut jobs on social media will just go to town on you. Just leave it alone. The social media things that are happening on social media are for the dregs of society to get their voice out. They are the dregs of society. They don't have a normal platform because everybody that gives their satanic and demonic rhetoric online doesn't have any authority, nor do they have any platform. So they use the social media platforms to spew their hatred of America, of Christianity, of God, of Jesus. And it's brought out the worst in our society. It's brought out flat-out narcissists. It's brought out hate. It's brought out division. And one of the things God says about that people who divide, especially a country... Is he says that's one of the abominations that he hates is someone who divides. It's number seven on the top seven that he hates. Let's move on. Verse seven. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? So, guess what? The servants of Pharaoh see it. They're realizing, Oh my goodness, he's destroying our country because of his narrative. How come Pharaoh was blind to this? Well, guess what? Narratives, if they're not based in reality, blind you to reality. Pharaoh is so blinded, he can't see the devastation happening in his country. It's destroyed. This is what I'd like to tell the mayor of Portland. Hey, are you tired of the desolation in your town? Because this the, we're reaching the hundredth night of you letting these people go crazy in your town and destroying your town and property damage that's happening and and people are getting killed are you going to wake up no you know why cuz the mayor of portland has a narrative and the narrative must continue on despite the destruction of the town just like you see around the, uh, the, the uh, nation where these mayors of cities are just letting them go crazy. Isn't it funny? Did you see that guy from CNN? It captured the moment of where we're at. The dude's standing up there with a microphone, and behind him, it looked like he's entered the gates of hell. And I can't remember what city he was in, but, man, there was flames all behind him, buildings burning, all this chaos going. I mean, he literally looked like he was in hell. And he's standing there, well, Stu, uh, this seems to be a very peaceful protest. Hey, stupid, look behind you. What are you talking about? It's a very peaceful protest. They're not doing anything. No, they just set the place on fire. But you know what? That's going on with that reporter? Narrative. Narrative. His narrative has taken him out of reality. He can't even see the fires behind him. Wow. Is that the level where people are at? Yes. They will die for that narrative to be true. They will die for it. Sickening, isn't it? Let the men go, they tell Pharaoh, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? That's classic. That's so classic. Even the advisors of Pharaoh saying, hey man, it's time to say uncle. We're done here. Our whole country's destroyed. Uh, we lost. Have you noticed that these knuckleheads don't admit failure? They don't know when they lost. Check this out. In a couple of months, you're gonna have an election, a presidential election, one of the biggest presidential elections coming in our way. And what's gonna happen is, one side, when the reality hits them, will not admit defeat. They won't. And because they won't admit defeat, it's going to cause a war, a civil war. They will not accept what is about to happen. So they'll conjole. They'll say it's an illegitimate election. They'll try to push in those mail-in ballots that usually are all fraud. There's a judge I heard that turned, turned away 50,000 mail-in ballots because they were all fraud in some, in some other race somewhere else. But It's a lot of fraud. And we know that 20% of the mail-in uh, ballots are usually fraud anyway. But you watch. You watch the culture and see who won't accept their defeat. We've been seeing it for four years. They won't accept defeat. You lost. But yet, do you think Satan ever thinks he loses? Nah. Nah, he he just keeps trying. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't take a vacation. He just keeps battling through. And that's the same thing with his followers. They will just keep battling through. Even if the whole world's on fire, they don't care. They'll just keep doing it. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go serve the Lord your God. But then he adds this caveat. So you think he gave in, you think he's repenting, he's not. He says, who are the ones that are going So the idea is he's trying to bargain with Moses. I'll let a few of you guys go, but I'm not letting everybody go. So again, he doesn't get it. The narrative, the narrative. Okay, let's stop right there and understand what's the deal with his narrative? What What does Pharaoh think is true? Pharaoh has propagandized the Jews and told all the Egyptians through the media the fake news of Egypt, the Egyptian times, And he has told them, look, they're going to attack us within. They've gotten too big. They're going to ally themselves with other invading armies, and they're going to attack us from within. We are cooked. So we have to eliminate the Jews. And we're going to do so by throwing all their firstborns into the, you know, their males into the Nile and kill them off that way. And then we'll enslave them and kill them slowly that way. But at the end, do you understand what the agenda behind Pharaoh is? He's going to be satanically inspired to wipe out every single Jew in Egypt. Just like Haman in Persia. Just like Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth, who tried to do it, and then he had the Maccabean Revolt. And just like Antichrist will do eventually. He will cry to get them, just like Hitler did. It's the same agenda. Kill the covenanted people. Wipe them out. And so that's what his agenda is. That's his narrative. Now, I don't know how much Pharaoh believes the narrative, but it is his narrative. Now, it's just like, what, what do I mean by that? Well, let me bring a real-life example up to this. So these crazy governors and crazy politicians believe we're in a pandemic, okay? Or, or you know, the narrative is a pandemic. I don't know so much if they believe that. I just think they're using that as a narrative to fool people, okay? How do I know this? How do I know they're playing games with us? Because they let things slip or they do things that out them. So, for instance, during this coronavirus, where have you guys been getting your hair done? Ladies, have you been getting a blowout at your salon? No, you haven't. I've been sneaking around. And you have, too. And we're trying all not to get caught. I'm trying to protect our barbers. Our barbers need to make a living. And so we're meeting in back alleys and back rooms and and we're cutting deals and and people are cutting our hair. Because somehow we're getting our hair cut because it's not supposed to be open, is it? But what did I see this week? An undercover camera caught Nancy Pelosi walking through a salon getting her hair done. Oh, Nancy, I thought you were afraid of the coronavirus. How come you're not wearing a mask? Because you, you told us we have to wear a mask. And boy, if I don't wear a mask, I'm killing people. But Nancy's not wearing a mask. She's strutting through a closed salon in San Francisco. And the owner said, hey, what are you guys doing in here? You're not supposed to be in here. And so the owner outs Nancy. And so what happens? Nancy turns on her and saying, oh, I, I was set up. I was set up. I, they set me up. How are you set up? Did you get your hair dyed? You, that was a setup." You know you went in there to get a blowout. You know it. And you tell us that we can't go over our barbers. I'm in an alley finding my barber behind a trash can so I can get my hair cut. And Nancy's just strolling through, uh, strolling through the, 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 you know, the salon. She doesn't believe her own narrative. Understand that. They only believe in the agenda. I understand that. that's the same thing with Pharaoh. The agenda, I'm going to kill every Jew on the planet is Pharaoh's agenda. But I put it in a narrative that makes it more tolerable saying, hey, they're an existential threat. We've got to protect ourselves because they're going to kill us. And the Egyptians bought it. Just like Americans are buying this pandemic junk. Boy, howdy. We continue on. And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old and our sons and our daughters with our flocks and our herds we'll go, we will go. For, mo- for we must hold a feast to the Lord. So what's happening is, is Pharaoh's trying to say, no, I'm going to let some of you go. But Moses comes back and says, no, nah, no, nah. understand. me. He's trying to be very polite in a Middle Eastern way. But he's saying, Nah, we're taking everybody. Everybody's going. Because in worshiping of Yahweh, it requires everyone. It requires the dad, the mom, the family, the kids. Everybody is required to worship Yahweh. We don't just do the males like the Egyptian uh, religion does. In the Egyptian religion, only the males did worship. The females' kids did not do that. And so he's saying, hey, man, it's, it's, it's either all or nothing. All or nothing. Again, let's do a Parallel. What did Pharaoh Newsom say to us as a compromise? Well, you guys can meet, but you have to meet outside. And I want to see social distancing. Uh, Six feet apart. I want masks. And you can't sing. You see the bargaining? It's the same thing. I'll let you work. But you have to go in. It's in Bakersfield. It's 110 today. He knows that. It's 110. I want you six feet apart. I don't want you singing. And what does Moses say? Forget you. It's everyone or nothing, man. And it's the same thing we have to say. It's everything or nothing. That's what they want us to do. They want us to cower and compromise, and Moses won't do it. God bless him. God bless him for doing that. Appreciate that about Moses. Then Pharaoh makes a threat. Verse 10. Then he said to him, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and the little ones go. Beware. Beware. For evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. Now, the English is not translating this really good. You don't get the gist of it just by reading your English. You have to go back to the Hebrew, and you have to understand what the Hebrew is trying to say. So let me, let me paraphrase what Pharaoh is saying. He is saying this. If I let you go, and I let all of you go, it will appear to the Egyptians that I've lost and Yahweh has won. So I'm not about to let all of you go because I don't want to be perceived as a loser in this battle. So you can only take them in. By the way, Moses, he's saying, I know what your intent is. Your intent is not just to worship Yahweh. Your intent is evil because you want to attack me and take me off my throne. Do you see how they he built up a story that even is not true? That's not Moses and the Israelites' intention. They just want to get out of Dodge. We want to get away from this guy. He's nuts. But he says, no, no, you guys are evil. You want to do bad things. Folks, that's the same thing they're doing to us today. You Christians are evil. How so? We serve the God of, of love and justice. Well, how are we evil? Because you don't accept gay marriage. I know, but God said it's not right. Because, you know, you don't accept... The movement Black Lives Matter. Well, the movement is Marxist. That's diametrically opposed to Christianity. I can't accept that as a Christian. Well, you guys are Islamophobic. No, I'm just pointing out that Islam is a deadly religion that sends out terrorists to destroy buildings and kill people. And kill most 80% of Christians around the world comes from Islamic terrorists. That's the fact. Oh, you're Islamophobic for saying that. See, what they're going to say is exactly what Pharaoh told Moses. You guys have an evil intent. And they're telling us, you guys have an evil intent. That's why you Christians got to get out of here, man. We, we, we accept the, the Joel Osteen type of Christian who shuts his mouth and stays put. But we will not accept the Christian who speaks out. We are not going to accept that. We will, we will silence you. We will cancel you. We will take you off YouTube. Whatever. We're not going to have you speak. You be more like Joel Osteen. We'll let you lo- go. But are you going to be more like John the Baptist? No, no. I'm not putting up with that. That's what he's doing to Moses. And then they were driven out from the Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land. All that the hail was left. So whatever, whatever was left, they, they ate it. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. Remember, that's where they breed. They breed out there by the Red Sea. So God blew them in. Okay, And the locusts went up all over the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. Did you catch that? What's that principle? Unprecedented. Before or after, nothing's been like that. It's the unprecedented principle. There it is again, verse 15. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout the land of Egypt. It just wasted. Now, let me show you some pictures real quick of what it looks like after a locust uh, uh, thing has moved through the crops. So like I said, they're like beavers, man. They eat everything green. So look at what happens afterwards. Here's a crop in Africa, wasted. It's like a bomb went off. Look at these other pictures. Look at the ground. There's nothing green left. They eat everything in sight. Here's a guy who had a cotton field. Where's the cotton field? It's gone. They ate it all. That's what Egypt looked like after the locusts had moved through. They ate everything now what fallen angels and what demons is this attacking because the egyptians are worshiping demons and fallen angels and they call them their gods well it's attacking several gods the first god it's attacking is nepri the grain god it's also attacking if i can pronounce this right renan nutet which is the god of crops Then it's attacking Anubis. It's a jackal-headed guardian of the fields, which is another fallen angel. And then it's attacking Osiris, which is the the senior trinity in the uh, Egyptian pantheon of gods. And he's supposed to be the agricultural god. That's why you can notice his skin is green. Uh, and, And so he's the agricultural god. Well, Anyway, it's going after them as well. That these gods... These fallen angels that they worship are impotent. Now, let me make a parallel to this. As I have told you, these plagues parallel the end times. And we've been seeing some parallels even in our own time. But when you get into the desolation part of the plagues, you're definitely now moving into the tribulation period. So here's the connection of this that happened in Egypt to what's going to happen in the future. In the future, there will be another locust plague. But it's not, it's not Jiminy Cricket. It's not him. It's not a thousand Jiminy Crickets. The new kind of locusts are demonic locusts, according to Revelation nine, and they have the face of a man, hair of a woman. They have wings. They have a scorpion's tail. They have a horse's body, and they're called like locusts. They're demonic locusts, and these demonic locusts sent to all the world and attack unbelievers and cause pain in them so terrible for five months that the people will beg to commit suicide, but God will not allow them to take their own lives. He keeps them alive. So if you thought what was happening in Egypt is bad, another thing is coming a thousand times worse. Not little creatures, but fallen angels will be attacking them. Yikes. That's what the world is storing up for themselves. Let's continue on. Then the Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Wow, he's having a come to Jesus moment. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he's basically having a I want us to stop, but he's really not repenting, is the idea. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. So basically, Moses is praying. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind and took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again. And he did not let the children of Israel go. Now, again, just to remember, hardening of heart means strengthening Pharaoh to continue what he wants to do. And God's point is to have all 10 plagues and the Red Sea. So Pharaoh at this point would have given up. He would have said, uncle, I can't do this anymore. He would have freaked out with all this supernatural things happening. But God strengthens him to carry it out. By the way, I see the same parallels happening today. These evil people in the world that are getting their things accomplished are being strengthened by, by, by God allowing them to carry it out. This is what happens when he gives over the world or a society to to what they want. He just gives them over to it in Romans 1. And then he greases the skids. You want it really bad? Let me grease the skids. That's the idea of strengthening the heart. I'll make it easy for you. Go for it. You want a digital currency? You want one man ruling the world? You want this utopia without me? I'll give it to you. And you'll get the Antichrist. And you'll get the mark of the beast. And you'll get the one world government and one world currency. Because that's what you guys want. I will give it to you. And right now, that's why you shouldn't be too frustrated. It is frustrating. But understand there's a bigger game plan going. God is in control and is allowing these knuckleheads to get away with what they're doing. There's going to be a reckoning, no doubt about that. But he's taking them to the tribulation. Anyway, let's do some, some application on this before we, we stop. The idea is about the narratives. Now Now you see how Moses and our society does narratives, and how it messes them up, blinds them to the truth. Now I want to do something more for us, in a, in a takeaway and an application for us. We all can have narratives that we create. Whether we get it from our childhood, whether we get it from our family, we get it it from our parents, whether we get it from trauma, it doesn't matter. A coach could give you a, a, a narrative, and then you absorb that narrative in thinking realities like that. And so a lot of people, I'll give you an example, a lot of people just like absorb the narrative of their family. The standards of their family is what standards they go by. And they don't even think about the standards of Jesus. They just think about their family standards. And then, therefore, they create a narrative that, well, as long as I'm keeping the family standards, I'm good. Yeah, but what if those family standards are wrong? You're out of reality. What if you get traumatized? Let's say you're a female and a male hurts you in life. So, some people create a narrative of saying this, all men are pigs, all men are bad, all men can't be trusted. And they go through life like that. Or if you're a male and you've been hurt by a female, and I've seen this before, the male will just say, look, no women are trustable. Uh, I don't like them. They will stab you in the back. They have divided loyalties, and they go through life like that. Are there some people like that? Yes. Are there exceptions? Of course there is. But the, in their world, there's no exceptions. All women are bad. All men are pigs. It's just, that's, that's how the world is. For them but they're not in reality. And then sometimes they make up their own narratives because a lot of people don't like the way their life went. A lot of people hate their job. 90% of people hate their job. They don't like the way their life went. They went through a lot of things, and it was tough, and they don't like it. So guess what they do? To escape the reality, they create their own reality. They, They create their own narrative. And before you know it, they're out of reality. So, for instance, in their reality... No one is trustable. No human being is trustable. So guess what happens in their reality? They isolate from people. They remove themselves from society. They won't have any interaction. They will take jobs where they have very little human interaction. Because they're in protect mode because you can't trust anybody. And that will destroy them. Understand any narrative that you create that doesn't come from God but your own thinking will leave you desolate in that area. It will desolate you there. That's the spiritual principle. Just like Pharaoh's narrative is desolating Egypt, you will desolate yourselves. And it might be in the terms of relationship. But I'll give you an example and we'll finish on this. There was a a, a well-known orthopedist in L.A. made, Made hundreds of thousands of dollars. One of the best down there. He's a Jewish man, came came from a Jewish family. But in his family, the standard in his family was workaholism. Workaholism. And so in their family, to work 80, 90, 100 hours a week was standard. And if you didn't, you were lazy. So he became a doctor, an orthopedist, and guess what? To keep with the family standard, he went for it. And he was working like 100 hours a week. Well, guess what? His body started giving out on him. And he was in his 40s. And he started having a lot of pain. So you know what he did? Started prescribing himself his own medication that he gave to his patients, which is illegal. So he's taking all kinds of pain meds. Got addicted to the pain meds. But that's how he was surviving. So he's doing that. And at the same time, he's never home because he's always working. So his wife and his kids didn't even know him. She divorces him takes the kids, and he's by himself now. Now his family is desolate because he's a workaholic. But then, guess what happened? Someone ratted him out, and he was busted for taking those drugs. He lost his medical license for doing so, because you can't do that. You can't just give yourself the drugs you prescribe to your patients, and he lost his medical license. So now, His family's desolated. His job is desolated. He has nowhere to go. His standard, his narrative has desolated him. So guess what happens? God's grace and mercy enters into that Jewish man's life. He ends up meeting with a pastor, and that pastor explains who the Jewish God is and who the Jewish Messiah is, Yeshua HaMashiach. And he realizes for the very first time that salvation's for free, and then God gives a standard and and a real narrative to live by, which is diametrically opposed to the way he was raised. He realized at that point that Christ's standard gives life, but a narrative that I create produces death. And so he got saved, became a Messianic Jew, but at that point, he was able to break away from the family narrative. That's what you and I need to do. We need to check ourselves. Am I like Nancy Pelosi in creating a false narrative? I don't want to be like Nancy Pelosi. I want to be on the biblical narrative because God is the God of reality. And when I'm with him, I'm in reality. Let's pray.